Hello, and welcome to Goodnight Moose, where you can tune in for a light morning start, an afternoon nap, or even a nice cozy in for the night with a bit of story time. I'm so glad you're here. Today, we're going to continue reading our chapter book series, The Lost Fairy Tales by Anna James, and we will be reading chapters six and seven today. Let's settle in, breathe deep, and dive into our story. Chapter six, Riddles and Obfuscation. The group followed Cassius back into the room where they had been talking before the ceremony. The fire had been stoked into a roaring blaze, and the room was stiflingly hot. Seb, who was sticking to them like toffee, followed silently and closed the door behind them. The only person who still looked fresh and comfortable was Melville Underwood, who was sitting in a leather armchair right in front of the fire, a neat bandage wrapped around the tip of his finger. The charming man who had spoken at the inking ceremony had evaporated, and his face was stern as he observed them. "'Good to see you again, Melville,' Grandad said in the voice he used when he meant precisely the opposite of the words coming out of his mouth. "'How on earth do you have Chalk's hat? You claim a moment of heroism, yet surely when you met him you had no idea who he was? There's no need for secrets at this stage. We're all on the same side.' right? I have a few orders of business to get through, Melville said, ignoring Grandad. Firstly, while you have been invited here as a courtesy to your previous role, Archibald, you and your family are no longer welcome at the British Underlibrary except in cases of extreme book-wandering emergencies or at my personal invitation. You can't do that, Oscar said outraged. Can you? Who are you? Melville said as if he had just noticed Oscar. I'm Oscar, obviously, and you should know who I am because I helped rescue Tilly's mom last year and find out the truth about Chalk. Ah, you were the other child who allowed him to escape through your meddling, Melville said coldly. Of course, there is no need to worry about that anymore. We will be bringing him to justice shortly. So where is he? Tilly asked. That is none of your concern, Melville said dismissively. Why two children have already become so involved in this issue is beyond me. Your inability to see the big picture, let alone put it before your own personal vendettas and childish desire for adventure, is what's gotten us here with this dangerous man on the loose. Good grief, Underwood, Grandad said. You know it's not their fault. Beneath all your posturing, you can't get away from the fact that without Tilly and Oscar, none of us would have realized that Chalk was an escaped source character. Now will you tell us why you have the man's hat? This is no time for riddles and obfuscation. That's the second time, in mere hours, that I've had to repeat myself to you. You must try to be a better listener, Archibald, Melville responded icily. As I said... I was aided by characters in the fairy tale land. As I searched for a way out, I had heard rumors about a man asking questions, and I assumed he was an errant book wanderer. I had hoped I would be able to wander back to the real world with him, but when I found him, he was instantly combative and refused to talk to me, just muttered on and on about some nonsense I couldn't understand. 
Once I'd realized he wasn't in his right mind, I distracted him and slipped a book out from his pocket to ensure my escape route. Naturally, I attempted to bring him with me, but he resisted and ran away, leaving only his hat on the ground. I picked it up in the hopes of identifying him when I'd found my way home, and once back in the underlibrary, I was quickly able to work out whom I had encountered. It also put his mutterings about a child who had ruined his plans into context. Melville looked at Tilly. Which brings me to the next item on my agenda. I have become increasingly concerned about the effects that children have on the security of book wandering. The exploits of your granddaughter and her friend do nothing to change my mind. I plan to limit book wandering for under 18s until they can learn discipline, not to mention learn the history and traditions of our great institution. You can't stop us from book wandering, Tilly said in horror. That's barbaric. Grandma said. Why would you want to cut children off from the magic and wonder of book wandering? Because they do not have enough respect for the rules, and because book wandering is about more than magic and wonder, he said, managing to imbue those words with pure disdain. Anyway, regardless of your shoddy logic, it's not possible to stop someone from book wandering, Granddad said, as you well know. We may not be able to stifle someone's natural ability, Melville said calmly, but we can certainly bind the books here at the underlibrary and restrict access. But a book doesn't know how old a reader or wanderer is, Grandad said. There's no way of putting an age limit on it. You're right, Melville said, so I imagine we shall have to bind the books for everyone and require people to file written permission to access them for book-wandering purposes. That's a neat solution, don't you think? We can ensure people are only wandering with valid reasons, not merely for a jaunt or to cause mischief. Or indeed, to seduce a fictional character, he raised an eyebrow. How dare you make such crass implications about my granddaughter, Grandma said, until he felt her hands squeeze involuntarily into fists, her fingernails pushing painfully into her palms. That's not fair, Tilly burst out. That's not what happened at all. I suggest you control yourself, Melville said. Your outburst only supports my position. Do you know you sound an awful lot like Enoch Chalk? Grandma said coldly, and Melville let annoyance cross his face for a moment. I can assure you that I am the very opposite, Melville said. Not that I have to justify myself to you. As you saw just minutes ago, the librarians are on my side. And one more thing. In the meantime, I think it's probably wise to introduce a period of stamping so we can keep track of everyone's whereabouts. But that's a gross invasion of privacy, Grandma said, and Tilly felt cold all over at the memory of Chalk stamping her without her knowledge so he could try to find out who her parents were. Anyway, no one will agree, Grandad said. Everyone will opt out. On the contrary, it's already been agreed too. It's now mandatory to opt in. Mandatory opt-in? Grandad snorted. A complete oxymoron. You can't just change the meanings of words at your own will. On the contrary, Melville said, words can mean much more or less than they seem, and we can put them to such creative uses. 
the majority of our librarians understand or are being made to understand that stamping is for the best at this time of uncertainty. After all, if you're not going anywhere you're not supposed to, you shouldn't have any concerns, should you? It would look awfully suspicious if you didn't want your fellow book wanderers to know where you were going. And before you get on your high horse, remember stamping only traces which books you're traveling inside. No one will be watching your every move in your day-to-day -day life or anything sinister like that. Come now, we're librarians after all. Seb will take you to be registered. Thank you for your cooperation. It's an exciting time for British book wandering. You are honored to be witnessing it. Hang on, Oscar started to say, but Melville interrupted him. That's all for now. Thank you for your time. You won't get away with this, Grandad said to Melville. And yet I seem to be doing just that, Melville said, not looking up. Chapter 7 Book Magic As soon as the door was closed behind them, Grandad went to speak, but Seb glared at him and put a finger to his own lips. Wait until we're somewhere private, he whispered urgently, and so they walked in a silent line into another office, this one much more sparsely decorated than the last. I refuse to be stamped, Grandad said as soon as the door was closed. It's an obvious and egregious infringement of my rights as a person and a book wanderer. The underlibrary has no legal right to do anything to us. No, of course not, Seb said, but it does have powers over book wandering, and it is within its rights, if on dubious ethical grounds, to say, for example, that only stamped book wanderers are permitted to wander within books under the jurisdiction of the British Underlibrary. You know a stamp isn't permanent. Tilly isn't still stamped from when Chalk was following her. Tilly shuddered at the memory. Come on, Seb, you don't need to do this, Grandma said. I would never even think of it, Seb said affronted, but it's not me who's doing it. I only found out this was the plan during the inking ceremony when my friend Willow warned me. Amelia thinks that I should ingratiate myself with Melville so I can report back, but I don't think he's convinced of my allegiance yet, and he's sending along someone else to do the stamping so I can't sneak you out. The only thing that I can think of is to... At that moment, the door banged open and a petite woman walked in. I'll take over from here, Sebastian, she said formally. Of course, Angelica, he said. I'll just take Tilly and Oscar next door. Why, she said, frowning. Didn't Mr. Underwood tell you? Because of his new guidelines for child book wanderers, they're being stamped by Willow a few doors down, so there's a separate record for under-18s. Surely. Melville told you, didn't he? How embarrassing if I've spilled the beans before I was supposed to. Of course not, Angelica said, blustering. I knew that. I was just checking you did. I'm actually rather in the inner circle nowadays, she said, smiling smugly. Yes, yes, Seb said, ushering Tilly and Oscar out of the door. Well done, very important, I'm sure. I'll take them in. How long do you need? Only ten minutes or so, she said. What about Grandma and Granddad? Tilly hissed at him, as Seb shoved her and Oscar into an empty room. I'm sure they will think of something, he said. If it came down to it, I'm sure they would prefer to make sure you don't get stamped. They're more than capable of fending for themselves. Can Underwood check if we've been stamped, though? Oscar asked Seb nervously. Well, he can check the record, yes, Seb said. And I will duly be writing your names down so they appear to be there. 
and if he checks the stamp to see where you've been, then it won't show any record of book wandering. How does he check? Oscar asked. The stamps are linked to what ends up looking a lot like a diary, Seb explained. Where you've book wandered will be recorded, and a list showing when and where you went. Yours will stay blank, because you're not actually being stamped, but he'll assume that he has frightened you into submission, showing that he does not know you very well, I might add. Couldn't you do that for my grandparents as well, Tilly said? I think Melville would be more suspicious if they were showing as not book-wandering at all. There's no chance he would think he could scare Archie and Elsie. And despite how worried she felt, Tilly couldn't help but feel a little proud. So what is it that Angelica is actually going to do to them? Oscar said. Tilly didn't recognize when she'd been stamped, so it's obviously not like a big ink stamp, is it? No, not quite so literal, Seb said, smiling despite the situation. Chalk must have secretly stamped Tilly that first time he visited Pages & Co. To put a library stamp on someone, you just need to get a little bit of book magic to stick to them, and then you can trace that magic trail. As Melville said, it doesn't tell anyone where you are in real life. It simply creates a sort of diary or map of the books you've wandered into. It's not harmful, but Melville's plan to use so much book magic is deeply concerning. This magic is woven into the structure of stories, but extracting it is a violent thing. You have to break a story a little bit, cause a rupture, and then you can siphon off some of that book's magic. In the underlibrary, our main source, when, when and if we need it, is from books that are out of print or that have a major error in them and can't be sold or loaned. We buy them up and pulp them up, and can distill a little bit of book magic from them. Our method may not extract such potent magic, but it doesn't endanger stories in the same way. Remember, books are just the holders of stories, not the thing itself. And so, if someone wants to be traced, say if they are going into a dangerous book, they can wear a little bit of book magic in a locket, or simply dab a bit onto their body. It looks a lot like ink. In fact, as you saw at the ceremony earlier, the ink used there has book magic in it to bind the librarians to the underlibrary and vice versa. How long does it last? Oscar asked. If you put book magic directly on your skin, it lasts a few months at most, Seb said. And that's the other reason we don't need to worry too much about your grandparents. They just need to be careful for a bit while we work out a proper plan. Okay, Tilly said, feeling a little calmer. You know, when people talked about book magic, I didn't realize they were talking about a physical thing. Same, Oscar said. I thought it was all like, ooh, the magic of books. Reading is important. You know, like teachers say. Oh no, Seb said. I mean, what teachers say is of course true, but our book magic is what runs through all stories and powers them. Did you hear what Melville said about fairy tales? They're so unstable because they're running on pure book magic that's not contained in source editions and printed books. It's ancient book magic. Even librarians don't really understand how it works. But Seb, hang on, Tilly started. What did Melville mean when he talked about binding all the books? Does that use book magic too? Well, as Mr. Underwood said, it's not possible to take someone's book-wandering abilities away from them. They're a part of you, but you can stop people from accessing certain books. 
If a source edition of a book is bound, then no one can wander inside any of the versions of it. It controls where people can wander. There was a group of book wanderers back in the early 19th century who thought that book wandering should be limited to only certain types of people, rich like them mainly. Now there are some librarians here who have taken their names, the bookbinders, and are spouting nonsense about control being a good thing. But why, Tilly asked, what's in it for them? Power, mainly, Seb said. If you control something, it gives you power over the people who want it or need it. People like the bookbinders hate the idea of something being shared out and enjoyed. They think they deserve to have it all to themselves, and so it has always been. But just because something has always been that way doesn't make it right, Tilly said. Of course not, Seb said, but it does make it difficult to change. It doesn't mean we shouldn't try, though. Seb, Tilly said, do you think Melville really has found chalk? It would seem so, Seb said, and that's a good thing, even if we don't agree with anything else he's doing. Book wandering is complicated. It's not as easy as people who aren't for us being against us. I think it's clear he is definitely against us, Oscar said. Not sure that's too complicated. But that doesn't mean we don't want some things in common, Seb said. Such as finding chalk. It's in no one's interest for chalk to roam around stories, especially fairy tales, so let's focus our energies on stopping Melville's bigger bookbinding plans and let him deal with chalk. At that moment, they heard a door being slammed shut, and they poked their heads out of the room to see three very angry, flustered-looking people glaring at each other in the corridor. "'I'm just doing my job, Mr. Pages,' Angelica was saying. "'I didn't make this decision, and now I'm leaving. Take it up with Mr. Underwood if you're unhappy.' "'Have you ever considered maybe thinking for yourself for one moment?' Grandad said crossly. "'You don't have to do everything you're told.' The thing is, Grandma said, clearly making a conscious effort to remain calm, it's important to think about what you're being asked to do and whether you think it's right. This isn't something I want to lose my job over, Angelica said. Isn't the whole point of the senior librarians to worry about this sort of thing for us so we don't have to? No, Grandad exploded. Their purpose is to protect book wandering, not to be blustering idiotic tyrants. He noticed the others peering through the door behind him. Finally! Tilly! Oscar! Let's go! I do not want to stay one more moment in an institution that has become the very antithesis of what it was set up to do. He took Tilly and Oscar by the shoulder and steered them out the door, Grandma and Seb following. To the map room, yes, Grandad said. We need to get back to Pages and Co. as quickly as possible. Do you think that's wise? Seb said nervously. I could not care less at this point, Grandad replied. Could you please tell Amelia to get in touch with us as soon as she's able to extricate herself from this place? Yes, of course, Seb said, and don't worry about Tilly and Oscar, he added. I didn't stamp them. Grandad softened. Thank you, Seb, he said. I should never have doubted you. Please come and see us with Amelia if you can. There is a lot to talk about. The End I hope you enjoyed Good Night Moose, and I can't wait to relax with you again soon. Until then, rest well, have plenty of water, and don't forget to fill your cup of self-care.